Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And thank you all for being here and tuning in every week to come and learn and connect if you are in a space of divorce. Now, this place is for you from the very beginning. If you are just contemplating divorce, if you're thick in the process, or you're out the other side and you're wanting to make better choices and redefine yourself and your life for the future, you have come to the right place. No matter what stage of life you're in, maybe you're just dating and seeking guidance on how to be the best partner you can be, or maybe you're navigating a tough time in your current relationships and you want to do things better. Maybe you're going through divorce and you need some guidance or inspiration to get through it. Or maybe you are on the other side and you're looking for ways to become better and a more evolved human. Whatever path you are on, whatever stage you are at, my goal and purpose of this podcast is to provide you with the information, education, inspiration, and empowerment so you can make the best decisions for you whatever decisions those may be. Now, to get this show out in front of everyone who needs to hear it, I do need your help with that. And you've heard me do this before, say this before, and I appreciate so much all of you who continue to do that. So what I can, what I need you to do to help me get this in front of all the people who need it is please go and follow the show. Give us a five-star rating. The more ratings we have, the more people we can reach which means the more people we can help. Now, this podcast is not done for promotions. It's not done for sponsorship. It's totally done out of the goodness of my heart because I believe that giving back in this way is 100% my purpose for you. So I genuinely thank you in advance for going over and doing that and sharing this podcast with as many people as possible. That really allows us to get in front of as many people who really need to hear it. Now, today we are talking about a very delicate topic. And I know it's one that I was very interested in when I was going through divorce. And I know that you guys are going to be very interested in that too. It's about money. And when spouses can be hiding assets, hiding money, figuring out, is there everything on the table for you to see in terms of when it comes to asset division in divorce, there can be some little tricky avenues that people can go to when it comes to hiding money. Now, if you are convinced that your spouse could be hiding assets and you need to figure out how to prove it, my guest today knows exactly how to do it. Tracy Conan is the author of The Divorce Money Guide and has been investigating fraud and hiding money for over 25 years. Even if you've never looked at your family's financials before, Tracy's approach empowers you to get the settlement you deserve. Discover all the assets you're entitled to and have more control over your divorce. With Tracy's expertise, you will uncover every dollar, every expense, and every hidden transaction. You only got one shot at this, so let's do it right. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you for having me, Cindy, and you got it. Let's do it right because you have one shot 
to get the right settlement in your divorce. And this can impact your finances for the rest of your life. And that is huge. And it is so scary because I do know that at the beginning of divorce, a lot of us are like, do I know all the assets? And if you have been that, I call it the disenfranchised spouse, because that was me. I had Mm -hmm. no idea my financial situation, my divorce. And you immediately wonder, you know, am I seeing everything? So let's start with, first of all, how did you get into this line of work? And um, let's start with your story there. What led you here? Well, I became a forensic accountant because I was in college getting a criminology degree with a plan to become a prison warden someday. Mm. And my sophomore year, I took a class called Financial Crime Investigations. And that got me interested in the world of forensic accounting. I started taking accounting and economics courses, wanted to get my CPA license. And that one course in college really set me on this path. So I've been doing forensic accounting for more than 25 years. Some of the work is on the corporate side where I am working with companies who have executives that are stealing from them, manipulating financial statements, all sorts of money shenanigans. Yeah. Some of my work is on the personal side where I'm working with people who are getting divorced or who have, uh, you know, personal situations where money has been hidden from them trying to figure that out. Wow. And that's a scary thing for people because it's so complicated. And especially if you're going through a divorce that has high net worth that you haven't been privy to all of the ins and outs of the financial world, where does someone even start? Because I remember for myself, you know, when I was going through a divorce, one of the biggest things holding me back was that I had no idea of our financial situation. I mean, I had an idea in my mind or I thought I had an idea in my mind, until I realized I really didn't have any idea. And I didn't even know what to ask for at the beginning. Because when you're going through divorce and you're asking for financial disclosure, I mean, your lawyer knows, but you're sort of just, I mean, at least I was, kind of hoping that they're going to disclose all that they need to disclose. So how does someone start that process and what do they look for right out of the gates? Well, you're right. It is scary because you are in some ways relying on your spouse to give you the information you need. And in many cases, they don't. And it might be because they're hiding something. It might be because they're just a jerk and they're mad because they're getting divorced and they don't want to cooperate and play along. But you mentioned your attorney knowing what documents to ask for. And that's a actually a really great place to start is relying on your attorney's knowledge of how this works. So they will know what documents to ask for and things like that. And so they typically will start with asking your spouse, um, maybe even on an informal basis, please give us bank statements and investment statements and give us a list of the assets like the cars and the toys that are owned. And they will hope that your spouse is going to be forthcoming with all of that If they're not, then they kind of take the next step and maybe formalize it a little bit more. If they're still not forthcoming, then they will probably go to the level of sending subpoenas to banks and things like that. Mm -hmm. So your your attorney has some really great knowledge and relying on, on them to guide you through that process is a great thing to do. Yes. That's, that is definitely the first place to start. And, you know, disclosure is hard because once you come down to the money piece in divorce, it just becomes, sometimes it can become really ugly. You know, you've created this family, this life together. It's a, it's a we situation until the moment you divorce and it's like my money, 
and your money and you're not having any of my money, you know, and I see, you see it all the, all the time. It's very natural to see this. Um, and the trickiest part sometimes is knowing whether or not they are disclosing all the assets or signs to look for when they could be hiding money. So, you know, you go into that, you talk a lot about that on your Instagram of certain things to signs to watch out for if you think your spouse is hiding money, even if you're not even at the divorce place yet. I think if you're at that stage where you're even contemplating divorce and you are starting to collect your information, you're starting to get educated, you're starting to ask, you know, questions, you're starting to seek out resources to sort of help you understand the process before you dive in. I think there's certain signs that a lot of us can overlook when we're in a marriage, when money is being hidden or assets are being you know, not disclosed fully, what do you typically see happening or what are the signs to maybe start to look out for? Well, you're very right in talking about these signs. I call them red flags of fraud and they are clues that something might be going wrong with the money. They are not proof. They're not evidence just yet, but they are those warning signs that I want people to look out for. And there's a whole laundry list I could give you but some of the ones that I like to talk about that are most common are things like your spouse becoming more secretive about the money. Mm -hmm. So if you previously were able to log into the online bank account and now you can't and you've asked for the password and your spouse seems to be obstructing that or saying, oh gosh, I had to change the password and I don't remember what I changed it to. I'll get that to you, but they never get it to you. Right. That's yeah. concerning to me. I also look for changes in behavior in general. Um, secrecy is a big, big warning sign in the area that I work in, not only when it comes to the money, but just with behavior in general, like when they are hiding their phone, when they are being secretive about their whereabouts, when they are... Um, not following their normal patterns, maybe not coming home from work at the time that they used to come home from. These, This kind of secrecy is often connected to affairs. And so that's super concerning. Also because affairs are expensive. So if you want to bring that back to the money, right? You know, that's, that's a huge problem. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's very true. I think that that secrecy piece, you know, if there's secrecy in your relationship about kind of anything, there's likely to also be secrecy about money in your relationship too, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I do, I, when you said that, you know, when you're bringing it up to, with your spouse about like passwords or, hey, we should go see our financial advisor. I'd really like to see sort of where our investments are at. And they sort of sweep it under the rug or they're dismissing you. Like these are red flags too, because that Absolutely. happened to me in my relationship. You know, my ex-husband was the breadwinner. I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years. And I, I wasn't really comfortable with the whole money thing. You know, I think as the typical, I mean, I'm just going to stereotype myself for a second. The typical woman is sort of like, oh, I don't know about like the financials and the investments. I'm not making the money and I'm trusting that it's all going in the right place. I'm trusting that it's all working out. If I'm not told that I have to worry, I'm not going to worry, you know, and it was one of those things where he was always, oh, you know what? It's just, it's not something you have to worry about. It's all good. Don't worry. And I remember in my marriage, one of the red flags early on, which I look in hindsight, I see now was when I was making my own money working before having kids, I started to invest in 
and we were married, starting to invest with the financial advisor, but he refused to share that with me. We were not getting the same one. He was having his own. I was having my own and we were not overlapping in any way. And if I look back, you know, that was, and he did it in a very different way, almost like this passive aggressive, like, oh, but you know what? You go do your thing. You're just learning how this works and it'd be a good experience for you to kind of understand. But at no point were we combining our finances or was I invited to be involved in the meetings regarding his finances? So at the time, sort of irritated me because I thought, well, why can't we combine together? Like, doesn't it make sense for us to be like sharing this wealth and building this wealth together? But really, he was focused on building his own while I built my own little tiny one by myself. Right. And not being involved in those conversations, I think is also a red flag because if you're in a relationship where there's full transparency, where there's full partnership, your partner is going to want to say, yeah, of course, you know, come on into these these right. conversations and let's let's just fully make it transparent what we have. Well, on a related note, think about the spouse who wants you to sign documents without letting you read them or wants you to sign off on a tax return that you maybe don't understand and you want to ask some questions about it. Or maybe you want to sit down with the tax preparer so you can understand more and they want to block you from that. Or you want to say, you know, oh gosh, you want me to sign this document. Could I have an attorney look it over before I sign it? And they blow their stack on you and, and say, hey, don't yeah. you trust me? It, it, the dynamics are so interesting. Um, you talked about stereotyping yourself, but really in a in most marriages there is one spouse who is taking care of the money and the other spouse ends up being very hands off and i don't want there to be shame surrounding that what i do see in divorce and mostly i work with women so amongst these women i see a lot of shame oh gosh i haven't been watching and i well, how could i be so stupid i wasn't keeping an eye on the money no this is not stupid this is normal you trust your spouse to take care of your family mm -hmm. and so if you're in a position where you haven't had this information i don't want people who feel ashamed. I just want to say, Hey, let's start understanding it now. Let's do what we can now to understand it. Yes. Cause there's always, you know, it's never too late to begin to start that. And then when you're in the divorce process and you aren't receiving all of the disclosure, I mean, let's talk about that for a second. Let's say you are in that place of now you're asking for financial documents to be disclosed. You're in that, you're in that place. How do you know that everything is being disclosed or not? And when should you start asking, be asking questions about things that are missing, things that are awry? What are some of the things to look for? Because you're typically trusting your lawyer to be collecting all these things and okay, is that it? Because you don't even know what there is to be collected. Well, you know, if you are in a position where you can, you know, take over monitoring what's being collected and keeping track of what's being collected and going through it, you're going to be in a much better position in your divorce because you can look for gaps in the information. So in the divorce money guide, we talk about one of the first things that I want people to do is start making a list of the accounts that you know about. And you know, if you weren't actively involved in the finances, you're probably sitting there listening to me saying, I don't know. I just don't know anything about it. I wasn't involved, but I will tell you, you know, more than you think, you know, so we have a worksheet and it's simply an accountless worksheet. And I say, just start writing down what you know. Okay, 
I know that we have a checking account at JP Morgan Chase. I know that we have a credit card through Barclays. And you might not know any of the account numbers. You might not know exactly whose name is on the account, whether it's your husband's name or your name or both of your names. Doesn't matter. I say, let's just start putting some pieces on this list. Um, and what if you heard your husband on a number of occasions talking about Wells Fargo Bank? You didn't really know that there was an account there, but you've heard him mention it a bunch of times. Put it on the list. Mm. Between you and your attorney, you can figure out, does there need to be a subpoena sent? Do we need to follow up on that? But you start putting those pieces of the puzzle together. And that's when you start realizing that maybe they're not disclosing everything. Once they do start giving some bank statements and things, you go through those bank statements, look for every single month and start checking off. We have a worksheet that we fill out where you check off each month's statements to see if there are any missing. And so it's a little bit tedious, um, but if you do it methodically, it you can really get through it pretty quickly and see those gaps that might exist there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is tedious. It's, it is overwhelming to have to start to collect all those, all those statements and those documents when you haven't really been privy to them before and you haven't done that before. It can definitely be overwhelming. And, you know, those of you who are listening and you're kind of entering that phase, give yourself some grace, be patient, give yourself compassion with this. This is not something that you're going to figure out overnight and you're all going to have this organized, but just start to slowly chip away at it and, you know, give yourself permission to say, okay, you know what? I didn't know what I knew, what I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's okay. You know, you made those decisions at the time. I had to really forgive myself for totally letting that financial control go in my marriage and being the the wife, the spouse that I always said I was never going to be. Because I mean, my mother was that way. She had no clue about the family finances. And I grew up like, I would ne I'm never going to do that. I'm going to know everything in my marriage. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes you let it go just because there are certain battles to pick. There's certain situations that you're in and you have this sense of trust. And when you get there and you realize all these things you don't know, I mean, I feel, mm -hmm. I used to feel stupid saying this and I don't anymore because I'm over it, but I didn't even know what kind of bills we paid. I didn't even know where our mortgage was. I didn't know what our cable bill was. Like I literally saw nothing. And so for me, I'm thinking, oh my God, like where do I even begin? But as I couldn't, I saw the mail coming in. I mean, I don't know if you want to be sneaky, but I was being just maybe a bit more aware. So as the mail came in and the statements would be open on the counter, this was when I was starting to collect information of things that I didn't know. And I got over the fact that I was being sneaky because this was my spouse. This is ours yeah, together. It's not this sneaky at all. Yeah. It's not sneaky at all. You are you have a right to that information. And I think that that's so that is so fair. And you have a right not even to see it, but also to be for it to be disclosed to you. So start just going slowly on that. And I love that you do have a list and that you have this information in your divorce money guide that you can guide people through how to do this because a lot of times we don't know where to begin. Well, that's exactly it. If you if someone can lay out for you sort of a methodical way to go about it, it's so much easier. Like follow my little roadmap. It's so so much better than trying to start from scratch on your own without ever having done it before. Yeah. And I want to I want to wrap one thing up with the talk about the red flags of fraud and the things that you might see because one of the things that I find when I'm talking about some of these warning signs about the finances that people don't know how worried they should be. 
They don't mm. know, am I overblowing the situation in my mind or am I minimizing it? Is it something to be worried about or not? So I put together a red flag assessment. It's a short little quiz that takes three or four minutes. I ask you about 15 questions about how the money is handled in your marriage and about some of these warning signs that you might've seen where you just check off things that you've seen. And at the end of the quiz, I return to you my assessment of how worried you should be, whether there's a high risk that oh. there's money that's being hidden or a low risk or somewhere in between. And I think that's really helpful because I do tell people, trust your gut. But sometimes on some of these technical money things, it's like, trust my gut. I don't, I don't really have enough information. I don't know. And so I put that red flag assessment together to help give people a way to, you know, double check what they're seeing. Oh, yes. I love that red flag assessment. Where can they find that, Trace? You are going to find it on the page that I set up for your listeners. And that's at my website, fraudcoach.com, because I'm your fraud coach throughout your divorce. And it's fraudcoach.com forward slash redefined. Okay, there you go. And that is so, so valuable because we all want to know that. And I think a lot of it too, using the resources that you've created this divorce money guide, this quiz, you can get started before you need to get an expensive lawyer involved. You can start the legwork on your own, getting prepared, knowing that this is kind of the first step that comes in divorce is the financial piece, which you know is what tends to block a lot of the progress that's being made. But if you can go into this with your eyes wide open a little bit further, a little bit wider, you're going to also be able to save a lot of money with your lawyer because you're going to know what to ask. You're going to know what you need. You're going to already have some information that you've worked on, whether it be with yourself, whether it be with someone like Tracy, whether it be with your coach, someone like me, but someone who's guided you through this so that by the time you're ready to say, okay, I'm going to retain a lawyer, I've got all of this stuff that I'm ready to start to present them and work through. Well, you know, divorces are expensive. And so if you can save money on legal fees, that is so key. Getting together financial documents ahead of time so that you can walk into your attorney's office and say, I have the last three years of tax returns here. I've got bank statements for a year. I've got credit card statements for a couple of years. That's going to save you legal fees. And you know, you mentioned a divorce coach. A divorce coach is one of the most valuable resources you can have in your divorce. And I just think that they save you so much money long-term. They help you know what's important. They help you navigate the process. And so that that kind of help, so invaluable. And I did not pay her to say that, by the way. <laughs> That's true. She did not. She didn't even know I was going to say that. But I I'm not. Just, I am such a strong believer. You know, I've been working in the area of divorce. Gosh, I've been a forensic accountant for more than 25 years. I've been doing divorces for the last 20 years. And I'm just such a believer. I've talked to so many divorce coaches. I've talked to so many divorce lawyers. And I'm I, I want people to get the best bang for their buck. And a divorce coach is one of the ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much for saying that because I do see that, you know, that's an overlooked piece of value as to why you get a divorce coach involved. Because a lot of people don't realize that this does take a team and a team of people who can help you with certain pieces. Your lawyer is going to be really important, but it's important to use them strategically because they're going to be the most expensive person in this Mm -hmm. probably. I mean, unless... The forensic accounting piece is pretty expensive too if you need to go down that path, if it's very necessary. Yes, but 
for, I always say for 95% of people who are getting divorced, you don't need a forensic accountant. Yeah. Forensic accountants are used when you have a really complicated money situation. For everyone else, you don't need to spend the tens of thousands of dollars to have someone like me look at it. You can look at it on your own. There's really common hiding places for the money. There's ways that it's done. The people who are hiding money aren't typically all that clever about it. And one of the key things is they usually don't cover their tracks because they know that you are not looking at those account statements, Mm. right? Cindy, your husband knew you weren't going to look at the bank statements. And so why would he even bother to cover stuff up? I see husbands and wives all of the time opening a secret bank account and transferring money from the joint checking account to that secret account. And it's right there in black and white on that statement if we just know where to look. So they're not that sneaky about it most of the times. Will there be some situations where all of a sudden, oh, we didn't think it was complicated, but now it is? Sure, that happens. But for the vast majority of divorces, it's not complicated. All you need is for someone to give you that roadmap and show you where to look. Yes. And is it true? I mean, as someone had said this to me before, like money leaves a trail. Yes. Right? Like yes. unless you're literally putting cash in your mattress, right. you can probably so, be tracked. So cash is really hard. If you or your spouse have a business that is cash intensive, like a restaurant or a bar, there is going to be money there that's going to be really hard. And everybody knows it's hard to track down cash, which is why when I see divorces that involve a bar or restaurant, oh, oopsie, suddenly once the divorce is filed, we're not making any money anymore. Mm, And we all know that what's happening is the person running that business is just taking all the cash and hiding it. That's hard. But in most other situations, yes, there's a paper trail that's left. And, you know, in some scenarios, you have a spouse who starts going to the ATM and withdrawing money over and over and over again. Now, we don't know where that money went because it Mm -hmm. was cash, but we at least have documentation that the money was withdrawn and that this was weird and abnormal and out of the ordinary. And we can at least present it in front of a judge and say, hey, listen, my spouse over the last six months has withdrawn $15,000 at ATMs and we don't know where it went. And we can hold them accountable to prove what happened to that money. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. And to be able to go through all of those little bits and pieces, but you will need to go through that. And sometimes there are those red flags. Well, and you have to go through it because when you go to your attorney and say, I think my spouse is hiding money. The attorney is going to say, okay, we need proof of it. You Mm -hmm. can't just go in front of a judge and say, and shriek and say, there's hidden money, there's hidden money. You have to have some proof. And so that proof is going through those statements line by line, finding the transactions that are either questionable or outright bad and putting them on a list and having that all ready to be presented in court. And The first step is getting those transactions on a list and bringing it to your attorney so that when you're saying to your attorney, there is money that has been hidden or has been transferred away, you have the proof right there and your attorney is going to really listen to you because that proof is what's so important. Mm -hmm. You need to have it all laid out. Mm -hmm. So I know that that can be a really overwhelming piece for for people, especially when they don't have access to the documents. And then when those documents do come in and it's still really overwhelming, What's the difference between hiring like a certified divorce financial analyst at this stage of the game to help you navigate that piece and then knowing when a forensic accountant might need to be brought in? So a certified divorce financial analyst is really helpful 
for the nuts and bolts of going through those statements. If you are someone who needs help, you know, going through and taking that inventory of what we have and what we don't have, and then helping you go line by line through them, a CDFA certified divorce financial analyst is going to be really helpful. They probably are also going to see some things in those statements that you might not pick up on. They'll ask some good questions. Why was this money spent here? They might have some ideas about things that we can learn from the statements. When you want to amp that up and get to the forensic accountant level again is when it is more complicated. So when you have a really significant business that is involved, uh, maybe if you have several rental properties, um, you know, your spouse is self-employed in some way or has some complicated earnings or has a really good bit of wealth where they are maybe using trusts and things like that. When you get in those more complicated situations, that's when it's the right thing to go to a forensic accountant. But if you don't know whether you need one or not, it's never a bad idea to have a conversation with someone like me or with a couple of people like me and mm -hmm. see what I think. You know, I, I'm pretty good at asking someone some key questions about what's going on in their situation. And I can learn, know pretty quickly to tell them, yeah, you need someone like me or no, you don't quite need someone like me yet. But if this, this or this happens, then let's revisit it. Yes, yes, I love that because it is it is a stepping stone. You don't need to go right to the forensic person if 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 there are no real reasons for that. I do think a CDFA is super helpful and really important especially when you you don't know the financial picture. It's not really your strength because they can really break it down for you and say here is basically all that you have in a nutshell. Here's what we're missing. Here are some red flags that we need to look at. And they also help you create that long-term picture because I think a lot of lawyers, they are, I mean, let's keep in mind, everyone is certified for this area of their expertise that they're certified for. Lawyers are not accountants. They're not forensic accountants. They're not investors of any kind. They're really there to look at the law. A lot of them have ex great experience with looking at the financial components of the case as well. But when it gets down into the nitty gritty of the numbers, and finding the money or looking for those missing pieces, that's when it is really critical to know that you need to have an expert come in into this. One of the things that bothers me in divorces is when the attorney says, I'm going to go through the bank statements, or I'm going to have my paralegal go through the bank statements and put some charts together and things like that. I just don't think that it's their area of expertise. And it ends up costing a lot of money. And Gosh, I yeah. don't usually see that the results are very good from it. And so I think that the attorneys and their paralegals are coming from a good place. They want to add value, but it's really not their strength. And I would shy away from having them do that. Another thing when you're trying to decide, do I need a CDFA? Do I need a forensic accountant? You, If you have a divorce coach again, that's going to be a really helpful resource to help you evaluate that because they've seen so many divorces and they kind of know, yeah, this looks a little more complicated. Maybe we want to amp up what we're doing on the financial stuff. Yes. And I know that it sounds overwhelming for people when they get into divorce, knowing that it's expensive to think, oh my God, how many cooks are in the kitchen? You know, how many people do I need to hire? Now I've got a coach and now I've got to fight CDFA and I may need a forensic or now I have this lawyer. But if you can be really strategic on who you use what for, you end up saving thousands of dollars instead of just using your lawyer to the go-to person. Because as you said, you know, if you're getting your lawyer or the paralegal to now start put financial statements and, and 
charts together for you at their hourly rate, which are not going to be necessarily very effective for you right away out of the gates, you're just burning money that that isn't going to be valuable. So getting those people in your corner on your team will definitely lead you in a better direction. I totally agree with you. If you're only relying on your attorney for all services that you need in your case, it's going to get outrageously expensive versus if you kind of piece it out to the experts in the various areas where you need some help. And hold on to that that lawyer that you've got. I mean, a lot of times you'll be able to afford an even better one if you can be really strategic with how you are going to maximize your dollars spent on your mm-hmm. divorce process. And Absolutely. a lot of that comes with hiring a financial person. I did that out of my, I mean, I didn't even know one existed. I hired my lawyer, didn't have any access to family finances. My, my ex-husband had cut me off at our divorce, during our divorce, very beginning. And I was stuck living in the house and no financial means to be able to move out at all. Not that that was a good idea, but it was really financially stuck. And so I'm here in this mess of fear, trying to rely on this lawyer to do everything for me and using her as, as a sounding board, using her as a bit of like my venting place, using her as asking all the questions and trying to figure out the finances and spending I think I spent $5,000 on her and with like under 30 days. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this. This is not, this is going to put me, you know, as a bag lady under a bridge after this divorce. Right. And so someone had, I think it was a girlfriend who reached out to me who was doing divorce finance finances and was a CDFA and said, here's what I do. Here's how I can help you. And immediately that gave me such a sense of relief because I was able to work with her as I got documents that came in, as she was able to put the spreadsheet out in terms of what we had and what that looked like at a much less hourly rate than my lawyer. And it made me feel more empowered because she was able to explain it to me in a way where I could understand you know, she wasn't, you know, it's not like you're with with some investment advisor who's talking at a high level. They understand this because this is what they do. And so the more that I was able to really look at those numbers and have it come to fruition, the more I was able to see what my potential future could look like even more clearly. Plus having that done, that evidence and that documents, those documents and all the numbers kind of presented it really gave me quite a leg up when we got to mediation. Because in mediation, you know, my other side didn't come with anything organized at all. And a lot of times you don't because you don't know what to organize. And I showed up with documents, examples, a spreadsheet of all the assets and debts and why I needed certain things that I felt empowered to not have to just accept a deal that I knew wasn't going to be financially wise for me in the long run. Well, what I see happening a lot of times, especially with women in divorce, is they leave money on the table if they don't know about all the assets, if they haven't been digging into it to try to figure out what's been going on, they can't get the right settlement because they don't even know what's out there. And so what you did was so key. And the process of divorce can be very isolating. And so I love that you reached out to your friend or your friend reached out to you and you were able to get that support and not feel so alone and have the right helper with that particular area of your divorce. It's so important. So important. And yes, that person's going to cost you, but they don't have to be there for a, a whole, you know, the entire divorce process. Once you have those numbers all organized and set out, 
then you can kind of take it from there. What about when it comes down to businesses? Because I do see this a lot with when I work with people in high net worth divorce cases where a spouse wasn't necessarily involved in any of the business proceedings or they've got family money or, you know, these these type of family legacy or they're in a family business. What happens then? Because that can add a whole nother layer of complication. It sure can. The business most likely needs to be valued so that we have an objective person not involved with the company, not involved with your family, someone on the outside telling us, what is this company worth? What we see very often in divorce is something that I call the divorce flu. Oh, the company gets sick as soon as the divorce is filed. Oh, we're losing customers. We're not making any money anymore. The company isn't worth anything. It's underwater. All of these kinds of things being said by your spouse, who knows that if the company has value, they may have to pay you out of that value in the divorce. So we need that outside person who can value that business and figure out what really is there so that you can get your share of that in the divorce settlement. So that's a business valuation and that's a, and that's a separate yes. entity in itself. Yes. Right. But so, so valuable, so mm-hmm. worth it mm-hmm. because otherwise, how do you even know what's fair? If you haven't been involved in the business, you don't know. No, you have no idea. And so that piece is really important. That is an expensive piece of the pie. But if you're evaluating a business that could be worth millions of dollars, it's going to be worth it in the long run. So make sure that you have the proper valuation. And this valuation can also really affect your potential for child and spousal support because whatever income is coming from the business doesn't necessarily mean that's what your spouse has access to and it could affect or it could affect their their payment on a on a greater or a lesser scale right sure i see business owners all of the time taking a smaller paycheck once the divorce is filed so that they can say oh i don't have income i can't pay child support i can't pay spousal support and in those cases i get involved and help prove to the court no court this is what their income really is, and they shouldn't get to just sidestep these issues of support payments just because they can fool with the numbers because they own the company. Yes. Oh my gosh. I dealt with that personally myself when my ex-spouse wanted to reduce child support saying on paper, this is how much, and you have to only follow your tax returns when you're doing child support calculations. Although there's all of a sudden a boat that he's bought and a new house and a car. And you're thinking, huh? Right. This, is, this amount that you're making and that you claim to be making on paper would never be supporting this lifestyle. So what the heck's going on? And I always say divorce court judges are smart. They may not be experts with numbers. And I always assume that they aren't. I always assume that they know basic math and that's it, but they don't know anything about accounting, but they are smart enough to know that if he says his income is this low number and we can bring forth the proof and show he bought the new car, he bought the boat, he went on these trips, judges understand the games that are played in divorce. And so all we have to do is get that proof together so that it can be presented. Yeah. Because it is, you know, it is fairly obvious when those things are coming, like the optics of it are are pretty clear. It's just now having to go and to that extent, that expensive extent and having to also prove it and explain it. But it is, it is worth it in the end. Now, I get a lot of people who get worried about, 
you know, the the possibility of hiding assets right away. So let's say they are starting the divorce process. It is taking their time. Their ex-spouse could be dragging their heels on collecting or submitting documents financially that they need. What is the, the reality of, can someone start hiding money at that point? You know, let's say it's taking years. I have a client right now, it's taken her four years and there still is no like real financial disclosure. And so her fear is, what's he doing? right now is he hiding money is he is he funneling into other things is he putting things under someone else's name like what are the kind of tricks that people can get up to in this this phase when they're starting to you know funnel their money in different places well you're right that as things drag on there is more risk of hiding of money i always advise people when you are considering divorce or you've started that divorce process to start gathering all the financial documents that you can right away. And what I mean is any account that has your name on, you have legal access to get those statements, to log into online banking and things like that. So if you can get as much documentation on your own as possible, that is one thing that is really helpful. The other piece that we've talked about a little bit already today is if your spouse is not disclosing things. Your attorney needs to ramp it up and go directly to the banks with a subpoena, directly to the taxing authorities with a subpoena or the proper paperwork to them. And so you don't have to sit and wait for your spouse to disclose these things. You can go around them and use the legal system to your advantage to get that documentation. And I will tell you that if they know that you are running down those documents and you are going hard to look for them, there's probably less of a chance that they're going to try to hide stuff because they know, oh gosh, she's looking and she's going to be aware if I do something. Yes. So don't be afraid to use the avenues that you need to use to be able to get that disclosure instead of waiting and you know giving them the benefit of the doubt that it's all going to happen and come to fruition. I got to tell you, divorce is not the time to be nice. You don't have to be ugly about things, but I see too often people saying, well, I don't want to push this issue. Well, we're going to give him more time to respond. You know what? We have a job that needs to get done. Let's do it. He hasn't responded. He had his chance. Let's go to the next step and let's get yes. the documents on our own. Yeah. And this does not mean that you're now like going for the jugular and you're being lethal. This is when the business or divorce becomes a business deal. You are right. un, you know, you're unraveling this contract that has a financial component in it. And it's okay to say, here's what I need and here's when I need it by. And this is how I'm going to go about it. It doesn't mean that you are going for everything or you're trying to take them, you know, to the cleaners. You are just doing your due diligence so that you make sure that you haven't let anything fall through the cracks, that you're not walking away from a situation and where you you could have been at a, at a better spot financially in your divorce and that you're not walking away from potential things that are on the table for you. And you're creating good boundaries mm. for yourself and for your ex. You know, you asked for something, he was given a chance to turn it over. The next step is we send a legal document to wherever it needs to go. Straightforward, above board, business transaction, Divorce is very emotional, but to the extent that you can separate the emotions, talk about your emotions with your therapist, but on the money stuff, let's keep it business and let's go through the process and hold our boundaries. It's going to serve you very well in this process. 
Absolutely. And start by surrounding yourself and hiring the people that you need to start to empower you with this knowledge, like a Tracy, like a Cindy, like a whoever you need to kind of get these this ball rolling so you can start to learn, you can start to feel better informed because the more you know, the better choices that you can make in the process. And yes, it's scary, but you're not doing it alone when you are hiring the right people to be on your team. So I love this conversation because it always gets me fired up and a bit like, I don't know, a bit angry when I talk about like, you know, hiding money. And I think, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just the struggle that I see people go through all the time that I've also personally felt. And so I understand where people are coming from. And I love that there are people like you out there doing what you're doing to really help make this much easier and much more clear for those who are also in this position. So don't forget everyone listening to go and take Tracy's red flag quiz at www.fraudcoach.com forward slash redefined. She is a wealth of resources and knowledge for you if you are at this place, even if you're just contemplating divorce, this is your chance to really dig in there, start to learn. I know it's scary. It seems tedious, but it is going to be a massive game changer in your divorce. Thank you so much for sharing this information with your audience. I know how difficult divorce is. I've been through it with hundreds of clients, and it's probably one of the worst things that you can go through in your life. But with the right help and you know people like you supporting those going through divorce, I know that we can make it a better process. And for me, we can have better financial outcomes for people in their divorces. We can. And remember, you only have this one chance to do your settlement right. So do it right. So head on over to Tracy's website, fraudcoach.com. She is the author of the Divorce Money Guide. Go pick yourself up a copy of that. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy, so much for being here. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.